How to Create a Gospel-Centered Youth Ministry. All this and more on the Youth and Culture Podcast. Hey guys, I am your host, Ryan Sebastian. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Um, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and you have not subscribed or give us a rating or review, I would encourage you to do that. Again, that does make this podcast more available uh, for those who are searching for youth ministry content. Also, by subscribing, you're automatically uh, downloading the episodes each week, so you stay up to date on what's going on here on the podcast. Um, I am super excited about today's interview. Uh, Today's interview, we're going to be talking to Greg Steer, and we're going to be talking about how to to create a a gospel-centered youth ministry. Uh, so I'm really excited. I was, I was looking forward to the interview with him, and we hash this out, and how can we be more engaged when it comes to training our students with the gospel? But before we get into that, I'm going to take a short break and listen to our sponsors. Youth and Culture is brought to you by Covenant Eyes. Coven Eyes is an online accountability and content blocking software for your mobile device or your computer designed to protect the entire family. Today, with 90% of boys and 70% of girls being exposed to pornography online and 56% of divorce cases listing porn use as a factor, it's more important than ever to protect your home. Click the link at the bottom of the show notes, sign up for Coven Eyes, and start protecting your home today. Okay, so you may be asking, why are we going to be talking about uh, the gospel in a youth ministry context and how to create a gospel-centered youth ministry? The reason why I want to get into this topic is because it's easy for us as youth leaders to get stuck in a rut thinking that the main avenue of presenting the gospel to students is asking your students in your ministry to invite their friends into a church building. And yes, that's great, and that is also an effective, but the most effective way into reaching other students with the gospel is to train your students in your ministry to reach their own friends in their context to where they're at. Um, it's more effective doing that than inviting friends into a church building. Um, again, I, I was really excited to be talking to Greg about this topic, and we kind of shifted and talked to really about uh, relational evangelism and what that looks like. And because the relational evangelism is the most effective way to really sharing your faith, and it's really the most effective way uh, for teens to learn how to share their faith. 
Uh, so I was really ex- excited to talk to him as we were, were fleshing this out to w- what it looks like to have a gospel-centered youth ministry. So just listen in as we talk with Greg Steer. Guys, I am super excited to have the opportunity to get to talk to Greg uh, Steer, and especially about the topic that we're going to be discussing today about relational evangelism, and specifically in the realms of uh, youth ministry. But before we get in that, uh, Greg, how about you introduce yourself a little bit, maybe for those who don't know you, and uh, a little bit about the Dare to Share Ministries. Yeah. Um, well, my name is Greg Steer. I'm the founder of Dare to Share. Uh, we started uh, 28 years ago, training, equipping, mobilizing teenagers for the gospel and train youth leaders as well how to build gospel advancing ministries. And I love it. I love youth leaders. I love teenagers. And I'm convinced that teens come to Christ quicker, spread the gospel faster than adults. And we need to mobilize them to, to reach their uh, Friends for Christ. We do trainings. I do a summer training called Lead the Cause in three different cities, a full week intensive training. Uh, and then we do Dare to Share Live, which is a live simulcast uh, that we just did a few weeks ago. Went out to 126 cities, 561 churches, and you know, mobilized them all, trained them all for evangelism. Thousands of students trained and equipped. And then we have apps and resources and curriculum and all sorts of stuff. So I'm married. I have two teenagers, a 18-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl, and been married for going on 30 years this summer to my wife, Debbie, who's a public school teacher. We live in Colorado, which is an awesome place to live. There's snow on the ground right now. It snowed last night. There'll be sun this afternoon and probably 60 degrees tomorrow. So Colorado's awesome. So, Greg, when we, uh, of course, I know this question, and you do too, but maybe for those who are just entering uh, youth ministry or ministry as a whole and may not understand uh, what we're talking about or when we're just talking about relational evangelism, uh, what, what is a re- relational evangelism? Well, I mean, relational evangelism is, uh, you know, sharing the gospel in a relational way. Uh, I think a lot of times people just automatically put that in the corner of, you know, you have to know somebody for months or years uh, and then begin to share the gospel. I I look at Jesus in John chapter four with the woman at the well who we just met. He, you know, asked her a question and built a relationship pretty quick uh, and was able to dive into the gospel. You know, I think relational evangelism for a teenager is, sharing Christ in the midst of their current friend circle and then building more friends to share Christ with them and, and love them no matter what. I don't think relational evangelism is not disposable. Like if you don't trust Christ, then you're not my friend anymore. I think we continue on with them in the journey, regardless of how they respond. 
and can continue to point them to Jesus. So relational evangelism requires, um, you know, intentional relationship building, but also words, you know, that you are articulating the gospel. Um, so you're, you're building a relationship with, you know, the hope of being able to share Christ with that friend and at some point sharing, sharing the gospel. I think one of the weird things is the longer you wait, the weirder it gets. So I encourage people to, you know, drop breadcrumbs along the way and, and, you know, not be ashamed of being a follower of Christ and, and wanting them to join in as well. Yeah. You, you, you made a point about uh, how sometimes when we think about relational evangelism, we think about you have to build a long-term relationship with somebody before you even uh, start talking about uh, Christ. And in uh, the flip side of that, uh, I, I coined it where I, I coined it uh, popcorn evangelism. Basically, when you go up a random person, uh, share your faith, don't even know who they are, and there's no relationship involved uh, with that. Um, I, there's, there's, I think there's what you just stated about building a relationship. Uh, you can still be a relationship uh, when it comes to evangelizing or sharing your faith with somebody you just meet. Can you kind of flesh that out um, a little bit uh, for maybe for those who are wondering what the difference is uh, between building relationship long-term and just meeting somebody? Yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, if I'm on a plane, I mean, depending on how far the trip is, I mean, I may have two hours. You know, if I'm at a bus stop, I may have, you know, last 20 minutes. Um, and so one of, one of the things we do is we train teens to engage in a conversation. So we use three words, ask, admire, admit. So ask a ton of questions, get to know somebody. You know, where are you from? You know, where do you go to school? You know. Um, admire, find out where they're at spiritually. You go to church anywhere or you're a Buddhist. Well, find what you can admire about, you know, uh, about whatever their belief system. And then admit the reason you're a Christian is you're so messed up. You needed Jesus to save you. And all of a sudden you're in a conversation. It's less like a presentation and more like a conversation. Um, people, you know, they, they don't want to be projects. Um, we need to love people no matter what, whether that's a short term or you know, I mean, if you're on a basketball team with somebody, I mean, you have time to be able to work that in to a regular conversation. You don't have to do it in the first two minutes. Um, and so I just think it's really kind of finding that balance and realizing the situation. Some situations require we be more intentional quicker just because you don't have much time, you know. And some sometimes you can, you know, you have more time, you can build that relationship out but even then again i i encourage dropping what i call breadcrumbs along the way so all of a sudden when you start talking about god and the gospel they're not like where did this come from you know i mean like i'm, I'm from denver i i'm a denver bronco fan even though they're doing terrible this year uh you know i mean i have no problem turning that into a conversation naturally why in the world would i have a problem mentioning jesus in a natural way and so i i think uh we need to not hide that uh, but, but, you know, breadcrumb that along the way. Yeah. I think that, go, that goes back to that. I, I think we overcomplicate sharing your faith. Um, we, when we talk about, when I, when I mentioned sharing your faith uh, to average person in the South, for instance, um, 
in the Bible Belt. If I mentioned sharing your faith, immediately think they, a lot of times they think of a step-by-step program or series of questions that they have to ask uh, when they're sharing their faith with somebody else instead of being let it be organic and just a natural and just sharing their story. Well, sharing your story is not sharing your faith. I mean, it's, it's the lead into sharing. Our yeah. story doesn't save anybody. It's God's story that saves people. And sharing our story um, is, is either a cul-de-sac that ends up going nowhere, or it's, it's the entryway to a highway of the gospel conversation. And what you want to do is get to that. And I know you know this. You want yes. to get to that gospel conversation. Uh, the problem is a lot of teenagers and adults for that matter don't have what I call gospel fluency. So um, you organically share it. it uh, sometimes it ends up becoming um, like a Texas deer, a point here, a point there, and a lot of bull in between, you know? And so you don't, you know, when you look at Paul in first Corinthians 15, three and four, what I received, I also pass on to you as a first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again for the dead according to the scriptures. That was a pre-Pauline creed that he had memorized, and then he articulated. He actually trained the Corinthians in it. And so I think one of the, you know, we want, it, we want them to share Christ as organically and naturally as possible. Uh, just like, I, you know, I want my daughter to learn the guitar and play it organically and naturally as possible. But if she doesn't learn the chords, it's going to be a mess. And if our students don't understand the core essence of the gospel, it's going to be a mess. And so really encourage youth leaders to have students really master the basics of the gospel message and then be able to put that together into a beautiful song, so to speak. So what we do is we, we use an acrostic that we have students actually memorize so they know the flow. So G-O-S-P-E-L is our gospel acrostic. God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone is eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. So I wouldn't call that a, a method. I call it the message of the gospel. And you can use that with a method, like a, you can use it with the bridge illustration. You can use it with an app. We have a Life in Six Words app. There's a lot of methodologies, but you, even if it's not the gospel across, that's fine. But some way for a student to really have mastered the core basics of the gospel message in a natural flow, and then they can attach whatever methodology they have with it. And then, actually, what I think the more students have that down, the more they can organically share the gospel because they know the pathway that they're trying to take people on. And without that, it's just, I've, I've seen it. It's, it can be a train wreck. No, I absolutely agree that it's, when it comes to the core of the gospel, uh, as youth leaders, you have to focus on training and educating your teens because the reality is, is uh, at least in my context, I don't see this um, as much here in my context. I don't see a lot of parents uh, specifically discipling their kids in, in this area of learning how to share the faith. So a lot of times it, it as it's very important in my context to be able to teach kids what the gospel is and the simplicity of the gospel and how to flesh that out when they're sharing their faith uh, with, uh, with their friends and just people around them as well. So I, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I think, I do think parents need to, I mean, parents are the primary youth leader 
according to Deuteronomy 6. And, but I, you know, oftentimes parents don't have gospel fluency, so it falls to the, you know, to the youth leaders uh, to really train their students in that. And I think you kind of add ur- gospel urgency with gospel fluency. So there's an there's a inspiration for students to share their faith. And then there's the articulation of that. Uh, you combine those two things, you, you got to start getting some great stories of students engaging their friends in these gospel conversations. And there's so much brokenness in this world, which is terrible, and so much teen suicide. Um, I mean, it's just, it's, you know, in, in Colorado here, it's now the number one cause of teen, teen death. There's so many students that are, are confiding in their friends uh, about hurts and pains, things they'll never share with their parents. You know, for a Christian student, that's a great opportunity to counsel and to take their friends to the solution, you know, to the hope that Jesus Christ offers. And, you know, to do that, they need to know, you know, how to get down that pathway in a natural way. And so I think that's where, like, you know, that's, that's what we do at Dare to Share. We provide training tools, resources. You know, the Life in Six Words app is a simple, simple way. Basically, uh, students ask their friends, how would you describe your life in six words? And on the app, there's 14 words for them to choose from, and they choose the words. And then they ask them, tell me why you chose those words. And it's interesting how teenagers open up and just share, like, because some of those words are pain or struggle or whatever. And then the next one is, can I share with you my six words? And that's when students share kind of their story and their pains, but how God has kind of transformed their life. And then you can get into the gospel across to God, our sins, paying everyone life gospel. Uh, and just literally they can walk them through it. And because students are used to apps, it doesn't feel awkward, you know, because they're used to looking at apps with their friends. And so this is a natural way. What I call instead of face to face, it's face to screen to face. But the teenager, the Christian teenager is still forced to engage with their friend. So they're, you're not delegating it to the youth leader like, hey, come to a youth group meeting where you, you know, the youth leader can share the gospel. No, I'm going to take responsibility, but uh, we're going to be both looking at the same app and walking through it together. So it's a free app, Life in Six Words, and it's, it's really starting to get some momentum. Uh, that's actually pretty cool that you're talking about an app uh, because teens, students revolve around phones. Uh, so I think that's a really neat way of sharing your faith um, for students to share the faith because they have their phones. They're very much connected to a screen. So I do think that's a kind of neat, uh, kind of cool way of actually utilizing uh, technology to help teens and students better share their faith with others. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, we're, we're on, on this app. What's cool about it is there's, um, a thing called a cause circle. We call it the great commission, the cause, and that's your circle of friends that you're trying to pray for care for and share the gospel with. And it can send you push notifications to pray specifically like it did for me this morning. Uh, and you can have faith sharing groups on the app. So you can have your youth group, your family group, you know, a couple of students on your basketball team that you're keeping each other accountable and you'll get notifications when they've prayed with somebody or shared Christ. It's pretty cool. It's, you know, I don't think there's an app like it out there. 
Um, and again, it's free on the app store, life in six words. Now, one thing I, um, I kind of wanted to kind of gauge with you as well is when you, uh, how can we talk about specifically gospel advancing ministry and when it comes to relational evangelism, how can youth leaders create a uh, gospel advancing ministry when it comes specifically to relational evangelism? Well, you, you know, we did a research project a couple years back and we found seven values that were in every gospel advancing ministry that was seeing 25% new conversion growth per year or more. And the first value was not relational evangelism. It was actually intercessory prayer. So the students that reached the most of their friends for Christ prayed the most for their unreached friends. And, you know, intercessory prayer was programmed into the youth ministry and somehow small groups or the youth group, but students were praying for their friends that didn't know Christ. And then relational evangelism was the next one. So that means they had been trained, they'd been inspired, equipped, and trained to articulate the gospel. And part of that was story, they created a storytelling culture. So students would have opportunities in youth group or small group to share about gospel conversations they had that, that week with their friends, which is almost counterintuitive. We've built youth ministry to be all about the youth leader sharing the gospel. Hey, bring your friends out, you know, and I think, and then I'll give the gospel. And it's, it's a switch from what I call a quarterback to a coach approach. Quarterback is, hey, bring your friends out watch, so they can watch me throw the touchdown pass. Or a coach is, I'm going to equip you to throw that touchdown pass every day of the week. And I think you can obviously do both. You can still have, I'm pro outreach meeting, but I think sometimes we've delegated outreach to the youth leader, and the youth leader's primary job is that of a coach, not a quarterback. Uh, and when, they, when you make that shift to say, man, I'm going to equip you to do the work, not only are more people eventually saved, but more people grow because teens grow in their faith when they share their faith and they're able to disciple their friends that they lead to Christ, which is way more biblical, I think, than just an outreach meeting. And again, I'm pro-outreach meeting, but it's the trajectory of the rejection of the historic Christian faith is skyrocketing. And our traditional additional approaches of closing that gap are not working. They're not going to work fast enough to close that gap. So we need an exponential strategy, an exponential solution for an exponential problem. And what that is, is, you know, teens reaching their own friends. No, no I agree. No, uh, I would say that um, at least what I've been experiencing over the years in ministry, I've seen a lot of emphasis on uh, youth leaders, youth pastors, uh, drawing students in to hear the gospel more than sending students out. Um, so I've, I've seen that and there's actually, I've seen, I'm starting to see a shift in a lot of youth ministries where I'm starting to see, at least in our area, in my context, where there's more emphasis on training students, which you should be doing this anyway, uh, in the gospel and reaching their own uh, their own friends rather than just saying, hey, invite your kids to church, invite your, your, your friends to church uh, to hear a gospel message. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's good. And I think uh, the, the other challenge is, is we live in such a busy culture that it's getting harder and harder to get kids to 
dedicated night to come out to youth group because there's so much sports or extracurricular. Uh, you know, I think the way to go is to go, you know, and again, you know, do you do outreach meetings, give the gospel during those and, you know, give the gospel every week because you don't know when somebody unreach is going to be there uh, or how many of your kids have really embraced the gospel clearly. I mean, I'm, Grew up in a youth ministry where I literally don't remember people not coming to Christ during the week, during the, during the youth group meeting. But all of us who are in a part of the leadership meeting were sharing Christ consistently outside the youth group. So it was a both and. But the real growth we came from is from people reaching, you know, their own friends for Christ. No, I absolutely agree. I've, even in my own context in my ministry over the years, I've seen uh, more spiritual growth. And when I see students sharing their faith um, outside of outside of a church building in their schools and their jobs, I've seen more growth in that and spiritual growth than I ever have seen just focusing on a midweek program when they're there. So, uh, so well, because you got you know the the core call the core call to discipleship is to pick up your cross, die to yourself, and follow me. And that first death is a social death, you know, and and a student is risking something to follow after Christ as opposed to just, you know, hiding away in a, in a youth group meeting. They're getting, you know, they're putting it on the line and that makes them depend on the spirit, makes them study the word, makes them worship louder, you know, and fellowship more intimately because they're, they're in, they've risked something. And uh, we, that's one of the things I love about dare to share is, you know, we do these dare to share live events and, we had students across the nation uh, send out gospel conversations, starting videos and pictures to their friends and to their feed. And all of a sudden, thousands of gospel conversations, uh, 22,000 that we know of happened in one day as students were navigating these gospel conversations with their friends online. Um, and that accelerates their spiritual growth. We do a service project outreach in the neighborhood and, you know, encourage people to pray with people and, and share Christ as they go. When those students come back, they are on fire because they have, you know, encountered the, the, their ultra dependence on the spirit of God. They've exercised courage, you know, in uh, Dave Kinnaman and Mark Matlock have a new book called faith for exiles. And one of the five, characteristics of teenagers that not, don't just keep their faith, but thrive long-term is that they've engaged in a countercultural mission where they have taken epic risks to share their faith and to live out their faith. And there's no more epic risk. Those are the, that's the term that the, the book uses than evangelism and especially relational evangelism, because that's where students have something to lose. You can talk to a stranger on the street uh, and, you know, you can feel a little embarrassed if they reject you, but boy, you walk up to your friends at the school cafeteria and risk that. I mean, you, you could lose your social status. Just that risk, that impending risk will help them keep their faith long-term. No, I, I absolutely agree with that. I absolutely agree. Um, and I, I think that comes down to sometimes uh, we talk, you mentioned talking about cost. Um, I think sometimes um, that, and I, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself in my own, my own ministry. I don't, I don't 
teach uh, and the what it means to be a Christ follower in the sense of the cost of it. That you're talking about taking your cross and follow Him. What that actually means that means giving up yourself and focusing on Christ above your family, above anything else. Um, so I think that sometimes in, 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 in youth ministry context, sometimes that's not, uh, communicated well among, among teens, even among adults as well. And this, this goes across the board that well, there's a sacrifice to our, to our faith. And that's sometimes yeah. that involves a social status. No. Well, and I, th- I do think oftentimes so, and we got to be careful because if you mix that with, you know, salvation, it could pretty quickly devolve into a workspace paradigm you know and you don't want to do that so absolutely i think uh, you ever hear of a group called sun life yes sir so they do a really good job they use a thing called four chair discipling where uh they talk about jesus and the way that he interacted with his disciples you move from chair one to chair two that's how you unbeliever to believer is you believe and you become a believer in christ you put your faith in him and then chair two to chair three is they would call a worker, and when Jesus called, you know, uh, Peter, uh, he's, you know, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Well, that was twelve months to sixteen months after he had put his faith in Christ in John one. It was that was not the first time Jesus encountered, you know, Peter and his brothers. You know, it was um, that was twelve to sixteen months later, and then chair three to chair four is 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 a you know, disciple maker. And it was a three and a half year process. And I think we got to, I think the challenge is we, sometimes we stop after chair two. Oh, welcome. You've put your faith in Christ. Okay. Just turn this, turn chair two into a lazy boy recliner, you know, and I think that's what happened with the adults in our church. And, but the call is to go all in. So the way that's chair three and that the way I, the way I phrase that is getting on team. Jesus is free. Jesus paid all the dues. Getting on the starting team costs you everything you got. And I think they got a lot of believers that are sitting on the bench um, that Jesus is calling out to the court, saying, hey, come on, go all in, you know, just like he did with his disciples. But there's a process to it. Once in a while, you get guys like Saul, who we know now as Paul, who literally, I mean, went from chair one to chair four, like, you know, just like, who are you, Lord? I'm in. And he's just, he's all of a sudden making a multiplying disciples. Um, generally speaking, that's, you know, it, there's a process, I think, for most of us. Even for me, you know, I put my, I got my fire insurance. People dog that. I'm like, man, I don't know. But a lot of people that, you know, Jesus is the one that talked about hell. He was like, yeah. all right, I'll put my faith in Christ. But, and then I discovered like, oh, there's a whole Christian life. I mean, there's a whole going all in. And it just takes, I think, teenagers sometimes a little bit while. But then when you get those ones that come in, they're coming in hot, right? In the words of Andy Mineo, that that's what we want. That's what we want to happen. It just doesn't happen that quickly with everybody. No, I would agree. Uh, even in my own my own my own life, my my story is the same way. Uh, it was it wasn't quick. Of course, I grew up. I, my I grew up as a preacher's kid. Uh, exposed to church, every aspect of church, and I grew up in a good home. Um, so it, it was a, it was a slower process for me because I was so exposed to it, to what church life and ministry that it took just took me a while. Um, so I totally agree with that. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, you, you get some of these books that, you know, are a call on believers to go all in, but sometimes they, which is good, but sometimes they almost phrase it like, if you're not all in, you're not in at all. And I'm like, well, you got to be careful because that would eliminate a lot of the, the early churches, you know, that were struggling with stuff. Uh, and the illustration I use is, is playing poker. Like it doesn't always make sense to go all in. Uh, it depends on, on what hand you're holding. And if you're holding a Royal flush, which is the, the highest hand you can hold in poker, it doesn't, it makes, it doesn't make sense if you don't go all in. Why would you not go all in if you have an unbeatable hand? And you don't have to, but why wouldn't you? And what I tell people, salvation is the royal flush. We've received it by faith. Jesus dealt it to us, right? We receive it by faith in Christ. And now we have the opportunity to go all in. You don't have to. I mean, but why would you just throw in a chip? Why would you not push everything to the middle and say, I'm going all in because I've, I got the ultimate hand, you know, I'm, and, and in the same way, you know, we've received salvation by faith alone in Christ. Uh, we inherit the kingdom of heaven. Uh, we're children, sons and daughters of the king. Uh, the inheritance of Christ, we're co-heirs, so his is our inheritance. Why would we not go all in to serve Christ with everything we have? We don't have to, but we're stupid if we don't. No, no, I agree. And that whole process is just what, we're, what you're describing and what we're talking about is, is just sanctification. Um, growing our faith, becoming more like Christ, and, and, and some others mature quickly, depending on their context, and some it takes longer. Yeah, uh, and some and, people, on the other side of that, some people that come to youth group week in and week out, they've never put their faith in Christ. And I think that's why we have to, we have to continue to give the gospel clearly, you know you know, salvation by faith alone and Christ alone based on what he did. And if you trust in him, you receive everlasting life. Continue to give that. And the everlasting life doesn't start when you die. It starts now. You begin that relationship with God and he walks you through to, through eternity. And we have to continue to give that message because on the other side, there's people that have said a prayer that are headed to hell uh, because they've never genuinely put their faith in Christ. And so, I just really encourage youth leaders, you know, don't, don't um, make the gospel harder than it is. Jesus did all the work. We receive it by faith. But don't assume that every student in your youth group has, has put their faith in Christ just because they go to church or said a prayer. Uh, we want to make sure where they really understand and, and believe in Christ and trust in him alone for their salvation. And then we can begin, as you said, that process of sanctification of helping them to learn what it means to go all in to serve Christ. No, I agree because I'm I'm a perfect example of that. Even in my own youth group, when I was when I was a teenager, I grew up. I got uh, said a prayer when I was five years old. Got baptized uh, around then as well, but really never never made a decision for Christ and really didn't understand that until I was thirteen. Yeah. Um, so I, I absolutely and then, agree with and that. Then, and then once you understood it and put your faith in Christ, it probably took you, like you said, a while to really kind of get what it means to go all in, you know? And it's like that, that's why I like that four-tier discipling, because uh, it shows the process. No, I, I absolutely. Uh, one thing I want to ask you is, is, is what is one piece of advice 
uh, that you would give youth leaders in relation uh, when it comes to relational evangelism? Well, I would say model it. Because uh, if you're not sharing Christ with your friends and neighbors, uh, and it's not a natural part of the way that you live, um, it's not going to be a natural part of the way your students. I mean, um, Jesus said in Luke 6:40, no student is above their teacher, but when they're fully trained, they'll be like their teacher. And so you are the bar. Uh, you are setting the bar with your life uh, and your lips. and if, you are, if your teens are not sharing their faith, most likely you need a mirror and not a bullhorn. You need to look in the mirror and not yell at them <laughs> and begin to share your faith yourself. And then, you know, then it'll, it'll seep out. It'll flow out from your life to your students. Then your adult leaders and your student leaders, make sure they're, they're sharing Christ. You know, you don't want just kids that can, you know, set up, the folding chairs on Wednesday night, you want the kids that can set up the folding chairs, but also begin to fill them with the students they're engaging in gospel conversations. That's a student leader. I absolutely agree. And I would even, I would even add to that, which is pretty much what you're saying, but I just want to add clarification. I would even say, uh, coming into realms of modeling, make sure that they you're doing it in front of them. Uh, whether it's uh, like mission trips or whatever yeah. activities you're doing, it makes sure you yeah, model it in front of them. Because uh, I totally agree, and I I I see even even in uh, ministries I've been involved in, in the past, I've seen a lot of preaching, not a lot of modeling. Well, one of the things we do is when we when we take kids out for Dare to Share Life to do that service project. Of course, they're engaging their friends online during Dare to Share Live, because there's a Dare to Share Live app that they can send out these gospel conversations starting videos. But then we actually go out into the community uh, and they do, it could be a canned food collection, it could be you know free car wash, it could be so, something they're doing to serve people. But I, I tell the youth leaders, you be the first to share, right? You go first, get, get off that bus and just go and have a conversation with somebody. Let your kids see you do that because you're the youth leader, which means you're the leader of youth. And uh, you got to, you know, got to be first in. I, I absolutely agree. Uh, so Greg, uh, if, if somebody want to get contact with you, if they have one of ask more questions about dare to share or just uh, more about this, just this topic of relational evangelism, what is the best way to get in contact with you? Well, I'm, my social media platforms are just all Greg Steer, S-T-I-E-R. So Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, just Greg Steer, S-T-I-E-R, I before you. Um, and then uh, dare to share live.org is if they want more information about the Dare to Share Live event. We're going to do it next October on the 10th. So it'll be 10-10-2020 to be based on John 1010, and it's a really easy way to get your students engaged in evangelism. Um, I also have a blog, gregsteer.org, um, that they can log in. I do a podcast myself called Gospelize with Greg Steer, and it's, you know, on all the podcast, podcast places. So, but yeah, there's all sorts of ways to get involved. Well, Garrick, I just want to thank you for taking your time and coming on the podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity.
I'm really thankful for uh, Greg and what he does with uh, Dare to Share Ministries as he has an opportunity to train uh, students all across the country and different parts of the world and training them how to share their faith effectively. So I'm very thankful for what he does in his ministry. And one thing that I took away from this interview is just a better understanding of what relational evangelism is. Um, Sometimes we get caught up in thinking that relational evangelism is just something you like a relationship you build over time and then you share your faith. But I never thought about how relational evangelism can actually occur when you just meet someone for the first time. Uh, So I was very thankful for his insight on this, um, on how can we be more effective in this realm of, of training our students to be better at sharing their faith and sharing the gospel and what relational evangelism really looks like. Again, you definitely do not want to miss next week's episode. Uh, and next week, we're actually going to be talking uh, with uh, Doug Franklin over at Leader Tracks. So you definitely don't want to miss next week's episode. <laughs>